This is Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. Hi, this is Bob Johnston, and you're listening to Being Catholic right here on Catholic Spirit Radio, 89.5 FM and 92.5 FM in good old McLean County in Bloomington Normal, 88.3 in Pontiac, 97.1 in Lincoln, 89.1 89.1 DeKalb Sycamore, and now, of course, 89.3 FM in Morris Joliet, covering much of central and even some of northern Illinois and growing. We're going to have a great show for you today. I'm here with my wife, Lynn. Remember, we're growing and we're brought to you by you, and that is the reason that we're growing. Any donations that you can make would be appreciated, and if you would like to make a donation, big or small, you can go to our website, catholicspiritradio.com. Again, that's catholicspiritradio.com, and it will give you a lot more information about us and tell you how you can make that donation. Of course, if you would like to call us, you can, and our number is 309-807-2427. Again, that's 309 309- Eight zero seven two four two seven, and you can give us a call at that number. But of course, if you can use our website, it's a lot better. It'll be easier for you, and you'll get more information about us. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about what we're going to do this year, starting here in the new year. Uh, give you an idea of uh, some of the things that we'll cover, and uh, my wife Lynn will also have uh, something to say before we get uh, started any further beyond that. Uh, on the agenda for the coming year, uh, we're going to have a theme for the new year, and it'll be something old and something new. We'll have some shows on specially and specifically Catholic things, the what and why of Catholicism, its practice, its holy days, and uh, we'll do some practical things. We'll do some fun things, but we'll also have a special theme, and uh, I've sort of given a name to it, and I'm calling it it's a mad, 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 mad world, the rise of radical secularism and the decline of uh, transcendent spirituality found in Catholicism especially, and the destructive effects of that loss of uh, the Catholicity in our culture and the religion in our culture and the Christianity that seems to be dying in our culture and the rise of this radical secularism that makes people almost uh, totally radically autonomous and separated from each other and uh, unable anymore to act uh, with a common culture and a common humanity. We'll go into that a lot uh, this coming year. I think it's an important thing to do. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about, uh, touch on some of the things that we'll talk about today. Before I start, I'm going to turn this over to my wife, Lynn, and uh, she has uh, something to say as well. Yes. Starting uh, in February, we're going to have a Bible study here at the radio station, and I'll give you more information about it next week, but you can go online and find it if you'd like. Uh, Go to Catholic Spirit Radio online, just pull it up on the website, but it sounds very interesting. It'll be the fathers of the church, and I don't think we've in this community, I'm not familiar with any other programs in the past or recently about the fathers of the church. And that should be very, very interesting. You know, there's the fathers of the church and the doctors of the church. And we'll learn more about the distinction between the two. So 
I will bring you more information next week. This week, we had another sad passing in the church. Cardinal Prell, or not Prell, I always say Prell, it's Pell, P-E-L-L, from Australia. And if you'll remember, he was falsely accused of molesting a child in the sacristy where they were getting ready for uh, Mass. And this sacristy is like in the modern churches. Everybody walks by it while they're uh, coming in to go to Mass and so forth, go to the services. How that could have happened, I don't know. And if I remember uh, correctly, then didn't one of the youths uh, recant and say that uh, it didn't happen? Yes. And the other one stuck to his story. And uh, mm-hmm. But like you say, uh, supposedly it happened <laughs> with the area where people could walk by and look right in there. I don't know how, how it could be. Yeah. But nevertheless, he got sent to prison. Then he was released. Uh, I think they appealed. And on the appeal, he was exonerated. Well, I, I shouldn't say exonerated. At least he was released, and they said he should have right. never been imprisoned. Yeah, the Supreme, like like our Supreme Court, they reviewed it, and they said he should never have been in prison. But he spent three years could not say mass. He did have a TV, and he said he had a kettle for his tea. And he said, I had to look at it as a, a retreat. He said that's how he survived. He wrote three volumes about his prison stay. And he said that's what kept him going, that and the liturgy of the hours, which he had to say. Uh, he said, I just treated it as, as, a, as a retreat. A very interesting guy, very conservative Catholic, Roman Catholic. He had been head of the financial division of the uh, the College of Cardinals, or you know, and of the Curia. He oversaw some of the financial things that were going on in the church, and he tried to get things in line. So you wonder, did that have anything to do with what happened? Since he's been out of prison, he got out of prison in this April. Since then, there's been um, little memos sent around the Vatican and stuff that were not very flattering to Francis, and they didn't know who was writing them. They thought they knew it was a cardinal, but they didn't know who. Well, after his death, they have found out it was Cardinal Prell. Pell. Pell. Prell. Prell's a shampoo. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I think he's a you know a loss too. There are things coming out too if you will. Uh, Watch uh, Raymond Arroyo on uh, World Over Live. It's on Thursday nights. I don't know what time because we it's around 8 o'clock. We are 7 o'clock our time. We've recorded every week. This last two weeks have been very interesting. And you can go back on their podcast and pull it up about what some of these memos have uh, said about Francis. They they that he was a disaster for the church. And, you know, down that vein is what he was writing about. Also, since Benedict's death, things have come out too. And Benedict's private secretary published his book about life with Benedict. It's very interesting for us conservative Catholics, especially Pope Benedict. Ratzinger. He was very, very upset and disappointed when Pope Francis went after the traditional Catholics, and Pell was too, and Cardinal Sarah and Vigano, very, very upset about that, and they're hoping to get that straightened out, but it's not going to happen under this Pope, apparently. Very interesting stuff, if you can. 
pull up those on the podcast, uh, The World Over Live with Raymond Royal, the last two weeks. Okay, Bob? Sounds very, very interesting. And uh, I think that uh, Bible study sounds very interesting as well. So there is a lot going on. And uh, I think uh, the theme of Catholicism and uh, the direction that our culture is going and what Catholicism can offer will be more important in the coming years and especially this year than it ever has been before. And so I'm going to uh, just touch on some of the topics that uh, we'll cover in the coming year. And uh, we'll cover these topics in more depth uh, from time to time on our shows. And of course, we will have plenty of uh, information on the church and the Bible study and uh, the the liturgy mass and holy days and all of the things that uh, it is strictly in, in uh, Catholic. But we want to get a lot in that relates to uh, Catholicism and what's going on in our own country and what's going on around the world. Uh, one of the figures that we'll talk about more is the uh, Russian philosopher and also who deals a lot with uh, theology and the ideas of uh, culture and civilization. And that is a man, a philosopher in Russia named Alexander Dugan. I've talked to him on the, talked about him on this show before and have gone into him a little bit. Uh, he is, the, 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 the world looks at him or a lot of uh, the politics of the United States looks at him as uh, Putin's so-called Rasputin. Uh, Rasputin was a monk in Russia back uh, during the time of the Tsar and was involved in the politics of the day and was sort of a nefarious figure. And Alexander Dugan is sort of being painted this way as if he is some kind of a Nazi-type person that uh, inspires Putin to be doing what he's doing. And there's an entirely different interpretation uh, that, that we've talked about. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. And uh, we'll talk about, uh, in association with him especially, I want to talk more about integralism. I've talked a little bit about integralism in the past year. We're going to talk more about it in the coming year. And that is the idea of integrating uh, Catholic uh, philosophy and uh, Catholic uh, social teaching and uh, the ideas that are generated from Catholic theology. In, integra- in integrating that into our culture and our laws, there's a movement uh, that is moving along those lines. Uh, of course, there is resistance to it. Uh, there, the idea that somehow introducing uh, the church uh, and not keeping it separate from the state. And but we've talked about how the fact is is that uh, all first principles are religious principles, and there really isn't uh, any way of keeping religion <laughs> totally out of the state, one way or another whether it's uh, the traditional religion that that built the Western civilization, which is Catholicism, or whether it's some modern uh, uh, philosophy that really becomes a religion when it's put into power. So we're going to talk about those ideas. Uh, Alexander Dugan is sort of now an infamous infamous, uh, Russian political theorist and activist, uh, today, he's considered a war propagandist and a Putin advocate who wants to unite the global far right, supposedly. There's this idea of this um, somehow a global far right, far right uh, sort of fascist uh, movement in the world uh, into an anti-Western alliance. 
uh, sort of a fascist Nazi tyrant. But Dugan is not anti-Western in the West's uh, original sense uh, when it was founded in Christianity. Uh, he argues uh, a number of things. He argues that there are three political theories in the world today, and we need to talk about this, uh, that the modern world uh, is divided into three theories, uh, liberalism, and uh, which is becoming radically materialistic, anti-religious, and anti-human, and the, the, the radically autonomous, autonomous individual, and then communism, and then fascism, however you want to define those two things, and uh, we'll talk about that more. And the idea that you must be one of these three, and you hear it all the time now, that somehow or another, if you are not a liberal, then you must be a communist or a fascist. And in most cases, you're branded as a fascist. If you love your country, uh, somehow or another, that's part of uh, what the Nazis did. They, they uh, exalted their country to an extreme point. And somehow, if you love your country, you're going along that line, and therefore, you're either a fascist or moving toward fascism. And uh, if you uh, want a, some type of social cohesion and uh, a cultural norms and so forth, that you, you are a socialist or a communist, and that the world is caught in these three uh, philosophies. And Alexander Dugan is taking a stand against that and saying that there are other ways to interpret uh, human behavior and uh, so we're going to talk more about uh, his particular philosophy and uh, his pushback against this whole idea that we're, we're finding in modern culture, that there is this idea of communism, fascism, and liberalism. And uh, you have to pick one of the three. And, of course, liberalism somehow or another is the wave of the future. And uh, the, the liberalism and the philosophy of liberalism is the end of history. And it's, uh, you know, the, the, the new <laughs> uh, movement, <laughs> the idea of the right side. Of, if you're a liberal, you're on the right side of history. And if you're not a liberal, then somehow or another you're on the wrong side of history. You're a communist or a fascist. The kids in college are taught a lot of this. And there doesn't seem to be any room for anything else. And uh, again, our liberalism is moving, in my opinion, and in many others' opinions, in Alexander Dugan's opinion, in an extremely wrong direction. And so we're going to talk uh, about that a little bit more. And uh, we're also going to talk about uh, the new Gnosticism, the idea of the internet metaverse, this idea of living in a virtual world, and we can escape the world uh, of the material world of the present. And we're going to talk about the, the fact that uh, the, the very idea that there is a demand and need to escape the, the, our regular material world and to live in the, the metaverse generated by the Internet, this virtual reality, the very idea that there is a very desire to do this and more and more people are spending time in this virtual world shows that there is really something wrong with our materialistic society that people are rejecting and trying to move to something else. But that movement may be a very dangerous movement in and of itself, and we want to talk about that in the future as well. So, You mean the, it's like living in the matrix? Something like living in the matrix, yes. Something like trying, trying to escape the, what the, the negatives of this world. And a lot of young people seem to be moving along that line. 
And uh, there is a downside to that, and there is a fatal flaw to it that we need to talk about. I'll touch on that. We're going to take a break here, so I'll touch on that when we come back and uh, move along to some of the things we're going to touch on. So stay with us. We'll be right back. You've been listening to Being Catholic with Bob Johnston on Catholic Spirit Radio. St. Faustina's Prayer for Priests. Oh, my Jesus, I beg thee on behalf of the whole church, grant it love and the light of thy spirit, and give power to the words of priests, so that hardened hearts might be brought to repentance and return to thee, O Lord. Lord, give us holy priests. Thou thyself maintain them in holiness. O divine and great high priest, may the power of thy mercy accompany them everywhere and protect them from the devil's traps and snares, which are continually being set for the souls of priests. May the power of thy mercy, O Lord, shatter and bring to naught all that might tarnish the sanctity of priests. For thou canst do all things. Amen. Virgin Most Powerful, pray for us. You can hear me, right? Now imagine all the other people listening to this radio station. They can hear me too. If you own a business and want to let clients and customers know about your products and services, Catholic Spirit Radio is a great way to get your business name heard throughout Central and Northern Illinois. Catholic Spirit Radio has reasonably priced radio packages. Find out more. 309-807-2427 or email office at catholicspiritradio.com. Catholic Spirit Radio is here for you 24 hours a day. And just by tuning in, we help you learn about the beauty of the Catholic faith. If you're listening today and liking what you hear about the truths and traditions of the Catholic faith, maybe this is the time that you take a bold step. Whether you desire to become a Catholic, wish to return to the Catholic faith, or simply want to know more about the faith, find out how to take the first step by inquiring at any of the local Catholic churches, asking a Catholic friend, or contacting Catholic Spirit Radio. God's welcoming and loving arms found in the Catholic faith are waiting for you. Hi, this is Bob Johnston. You're listening to Being Catholic right here on Catholic Spirit Radio. And uh, we're back from our break, and we've been talking about some of the things that we're going to cover in the coming year, and we will be covering a lot of uh, ordinary and interesting and uh, normal uh, Catholic things. But we'll also be covering things that uh, Catholicism uh, uh, can apply to the United States, uh, to our government, to our culture, our way of life, and also the things that are going on in the world. And I've been naming some of those. Two of them are the, the philosopher Alexander Dugan and some of his ideas, uh, his pushback against the direction of materialism and globalism that uh, the modern world seems to be moving toward and this uh, deviation from the transcendence and uh, to a sort of uh, radically self-autonomous world where people are cut off from each other. And the result of uh, that seems to be a, a desire by a lot of young people to drift into a virtual world, uh, and the Internet seems to be offering that substitute for uh, reality because a lot of the reality today is uh, a negative to people, and they're looking for an escape from it. So I want to talk a little bit about and uh, read from some articles on that, just some short uh, pieces here. 
from the magazine First Things about Alexander Dugan, and we'll read a little bit also uh, some comments on this movement toward the metaverse. And then we'll move on to a couple of other things that we're going to cover in the future year, you know, if we have the time. So let me read a little bit uh, about Alexander Dugan, just an overview. I've talked about him before, but I'm sure uh, a refresher on, on who he is and what he does uh, can help out a lot. It says here that uh, what Dugan calls uh, the fourth, we talk about what Dugan calls the fourth political theory. His argument is that the 20th century was defined and the 21st century is still being defined by an ideological struggle between three political theories, liberalism, communism, and fascism, the last of which was most powerfully expressed in Nazism. The defeat of the third political theory in 1945, that is Nazism, the defeat of Nazism was the defeat of fascism, uh, the defeat of the third political theory in 1945 and the end of the Cold War, which saw the triumph of the first over the second, ushered in what the late Charles Krauthammer called the unipolar movement, meaning that the, the fascism, of course, was defeated, and then liberalism <coughs> triumphed over communism, and so liberalism is the last uh, particular uh, movement or philosophy that uh, is left, and somehow that is going to be the philosophy of uh, you know, the, the, the new world. It says, liberalism appeared to stand as the last viable ideology, the end of history. But what if someone wants to oppose liberalism and to do so neither as a fascist nor as a communist? In a world defined by the three political theories, that option seems impossible. And we're seeing this on the college campuses. If a person isn't a liberal, he's defined as some kind of socialist, communist, or a fascist. Somehow you can't be anything else or you have to be a liberal. Those who oppose liberalism are either accused of being communists of one sort or another or derided as fascists, and we hear that all the time anymore. To break through this dead end, Dugan announced a fourth political theory, and so that's what we'll be talking about. Dugan shows that liberalism is leading, in the name of freedom, to our liberation from human identity altogether, and it seems to be. Uh, soon the affirmation that we are human will be denounced as fascist. Just as today a proponent of nationalism, if you love your country and you think nationalism is a good idea, uh, opposed to globalism, or you're an opponent of transgenderism, you're called a fascist. Dugan spells out this trajectory in the Great Awakening versus the Great Reset. The most important task for those who wish to preserve a humane way of life is to preserve the possibility of human freedom as such. That task requires resisting the forces that are destroying the very being of the human, which is enmeshed in shared bonds and collective structures. Dugan makes a crucial distinction between the individual and the human being, or person. The individual is the product of subtraction of the personality from the human being. In other words, complete <laughs> liberation from everything and from all other people is sort of a, a, an autonomy that leads to a form of slavery. Uh, the result of the liberation of the human unit from any bonds and collective structures. He identifies the Great Reset and related globalist ideologies as a continuation of erroneous teaching that encourage individualism and artificial group identity. 
teachings that began with the nominalist rejection of universals. And we'll talk more about that. The idea that uh, everything is that exists is individual and that our our ideas of abstractions and universals, you know, things that can be banded together and called by a collective name, don't really exist. And that's just a shortcut that we use in language. That whole idea has led to a radical autonomy that separates human beings from each other and that makes a person uh, something other than human. The idea that uh, he, he can be so different from everybody else that he has to be treated in such a way that he has to have safe spaces, that he can't really react uh, socially because uh, his particular identity will somehow be harmed by it. And uh, I'm pointing out again, this again, this is just simply radical autonomy, and it's not working. It's creating sort of a sterile world in which people are it's just so separated from each other that we have a, a, a sort of what we would call, you know, being lonely in the crowd, not having any kind of identity that people can uh, share in a culture or a group uh, that they have in common. And this doesn't really lead to freedom. It leads to a form of dehumanization and it causes a lot of human beings, and you can see a lot of it on the college campuses, to be afraid to express themselves and really show anybody else who they are. People who have to submit to some kind of norm or else be uh, attacked and uh, not allowed if they're, you know, to express themselves if they're not politically correct. We need to talk more about that and, and see what Dugan has to say about that and uh, his idea that there is a different uh, way of freedom than liberalism is leading to. That uh, human beings need culture, they need norms, they need a sense of belonging, that human beings are naturally hierarchical, that uh, the individual is not somehow the peak of uh, human civilization, that they look up to someone who, they look up to mentors, and they need these kind of things, and they need a belonging and those kind of things. And when they don't have it, they want to escape from the real world. And we're seeing that in this idea of escaping into the metaverse. Uh, Dugan points out that postmodernism, the, 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 you know, the philosophy that we're living in now, uh, loves to love the other, provided it is politically correct <laughs> that the other is politically correct. In other words, we can only love people who subscribe to the same exact definitions of human behavior and human living as uh, uh, the postmodernism allows us, and that this radical individualism is no longer a form of freedom, it's a form of slavery. So that's what we're going to talk about more in the future here, and uh, why Dugan says this, and how he uh, uh, under um, how he provides evidence for it. Uh, there is no affirmative action for, he's saying, for example, there is no affirmative action for bearded young Eastern European conservatives. In other words, everything goes in one direction and only one direction. And that takes away our humanity because people are different in many ways. And at the same time, they're similar in many ways. And we have to bring out and understand those things. And uh, when we create a world in which that understanding is gone, 
Uh, we create a world in which people want to escape, and we're seeing that in the high suicide rate among uh, young people. A lot of young uh, people who are involved, especially in the Internet and especially uh, in college and college education, are committing suicide on a much greater level than the norm has been before. So we'll talk about that as well. And then uh, we also, again, want to talk about the, the metaverse, the new Gnosticism. And uh, I think the, it's important to, to uh, understand that. I'm trying to <laughs> find here. Here it is, uh, my article here. It's uh, Surviving the Metaverse by Mary Harrington. It's a review of a book. Uh, and it's found in First Things. It says the metaverse and how it will revolutionize everything. And there is this whole idea of uh, this virtual reality that we can escape into becoming more and more desirable on the Internet. It says here, for the Gnostics, the world of matter was irredeemably gross and corrupt. So if we look back to what the church, the Catholic Church, called uh, Gnosticism that occurred back in the early years of the church, back in the second, third, and fourth centuries in that area. It says uh, the, the Gnostics looked at the real world just as a lot of, of uh, what we would call neo-Gnostics, young people especially, are looking at the world today, and they wanted to escape from it. From it. It says the creation, not of divine will, but of the demiurge. In other words, the, the real world, the material world, was created by, in effect, the devil and not uh, God. And it says, uh, and entirely viewed as antagonistic to the supreme being. So the, the material world, the flesh, the world, the material, was looked at something uh, as against the supreme being, against God. For the uh, Gnostics, drawing on Platonist uh, influences, the world of ideal forms was God's original creation. The world of matter was a clumsy copy by an envious lesser being, and so they rejected the material world. And we're seeing that happening again today in a different way, but sort of the same thing. It goes on here, and the modern age has been indeed accompanied by a spreading desire to be anywhere other than in the real world as imagined by modernity. That is, to dream of a higher or better world than the gross, corrupted material one that we live in. And it seems as if the very world that the politically correct people are creating for themselves is the world that secretly, at least individually, they want to escape. And they want to escape into the metaverse, that is, the computer-generated uh, virtual world, as a uh, better place, different from the material world they live in. The clearest and most extreme expression of this uh, anthropology and contemporary culture is among the young people for whom transgender identities serve as a proxy for profound discontent with embodiment itself. And uh, that, of course, goes back to the whole idea, you know, that the Catholic Church uh, expresses and the idea of the uh, uh, incarnation of Jesus Christ uh, and becoming actually a human being with a real body and so forth and material. And there's this rejection of this whole idea that they want to somehow escape their body 
and not be material. And uh, this desire to do it uh, is they, they think or hope will be provided by the virtual world of the Internet. It says, a discontent frequently expressed by those within this subculture. One such writes on Twitter, uh, my own body is a whole existence that I can't even begin to try and feel connected to past carnal wants and desires because it's so foreign and reprehensible to me. In other words, people who don't feel comfortable with their own body because of the way I think our culture with this radical idea of autonomy has separated them from the world and everything else. Body disassociation has come a long way since Descartes' philosophy of I think, therefore I am. Sort of a, his philosophy of somehow or another we're all you know confined to our own minds and unable to reach out and be part of a, a group or part of a culture. Small wonder then that we find technologists working to synthesize an experience of mystery, enchantment, heroism, or transcendence to appease the same hunger for enchantment that the technological world has helped to create. In other words, we have technology working on a way to, re to synthesize what we should be getting in the real world, to synthesize an experience of mystery, of course, which the Catholic Church provides. Uh, a sense of enchantment with the world, a sense of the, the material world being a place of uh, heroism, a place of transcendence. And here we have the, the technology that makes people desire that, now working on something to, make, to let them escape that. And there's a flaw there that uh, needs to be talked about. Uh, but there is a critical difference between a Gnosticism of old and its return today in these tech-enabled parallel dimensions. For the ancient Gnostics, the problem with the world of flesh was how poorly it compared with the true original world of spirit. Gnosticism took for granted that the world of spirit really existed and that it was, in a sense, truer and more objective than that of matter. Neo-Gnostics, though, evince no such underlying belief in a transcendent spiritual dimension. And this is what the Catholic Church teaches, that there is a real transcendent spiritual dimension which you can belong to and move toward while you're still in this world. The metaverse affords no higher platonic world of objectively existing forms. On the contrary, it suggests that we can escape from our prison of flesh into an infinitude of infinity, customizable worlds of forms tailored to suit each individual. Again, there's that radical individualism. If the root of the Gnostic heresy is longing for transcendent spiritual experience, unburdened by the attainment of, by the taint of embodiment, the metaverse takes this longing a step further. Here, the relief preferred to those longing for bodiless transcendence takes the form of an individualism so radical it affords no space at all for shared meaning, save on an opt-in basis, and it does so with the aims of making money. In other words, the, the Gnostics of old believed in a real spiritual world. The kids today don't. They are using the, the Internet, the uh, artificially manufactured virtual world, to escape the world that they, they, they secretly are beginning to hate. But the fact is, is to do that, is to depend on the very culture that they are trying to escape. And we need to explore this. 
and maybe get to the roots of understanding why there is so much misery and so much uh, suicide and so much of a wish to escape this world by a lot of the young people, especially our college kids. So that's one of the things we'll talk about. And unlike the vision of the ancient Gnostics, this picture of radical atomization as spiritual transcendence is structurally reliant on the very world from which it promises to escape. And that, that very world is the world that, that demands somehow that we all be radical, autonomous individuals and attacks the very culture that uh, provides in the real world an escape from this. The metaverse may be a massively scaled and interoperable network of real-time rendered 3D virtual worlds, but it will be realized through physical hardware, computer processes, and networks, and you will have to pay for it and be subject to its rules, and it'll be simply an extension into uh, the, the Internet of what's going on in the real world. So we're going to talk about that in the future, too. We're going to have to stop here and take, take a break. So stay with us. We'll be right back, and we'll touch on a few more things that we'll talk about. You've been listening to Being Catholic with Bob Johnson on Catholic Spirit Radio. St. Faustina's Prayer for Priests. Oh, my Jesus, I beg thee on behalf of the whole Church, grant it love and the light of thy Spirit, and give power to the words of priests, so that hardened hearts might be brought to repentance and return to Thee, O Lord. Lord, give us holy priests. Thou Thyself maintain them in holiness. O Divine and Great High Priest, may the power of Thy mercy accompany them everywhere and protect them from the devil's traps and snares, which are continually being set for the souls of priests. May the power of Thy mercy, O Lord, shatter and bring to naught all that might tarnish the sanctity of priests. For thou canst do all things. Amen. Virgin Most Powerful, pray for us. You can hear me, right? Now imagine all the other people listening to this radio station. They can hear me too. If you own a business and want to let clients and customers know about your products and services, Catholic Spirit Radio is a great way to get your business name heard throughout Central and Northern Illinois. Catholic Spirit Radio has reasonably priced radio packages. Find out more. 309-807-2427 or email office at catholicspiritradio.com. Catholic Spirit Radio is here for you 24 hours a day. And just by tuning in, we help you learn about the beauty of the Catholic faith. If you're listening today and liking what you hear about the truths and traditions of the Catholic faith, maybe this is the time that you take a bold step. Whether you desire to become a Catholic, wish to return to the Catholic faith, or simply want to know more about the faith, find out how to take the first step by inquiring at any of the local Catholic churches, asking a Catholic friend, or contacting Catholic Spirit Radio. God's welcoming and loving arms found in the Catholic faith are waiting for you. Hi, this is Bob Johnston. You're listening to Being Catholic right here on Catholic Spirit Radio. We're back from our break, and we're talking about some of the things that we're going to do in the coming year, some of the important topics that we'll talk about. And uh, we'll, we'll, of course, again, I want to emphasize that we'll be doing something old and something new, and we will be doing a lot of ordinary uh, talk about uh, Catholicism and It's uh, Holy Days and uh, the why and what of Catholicism, as we always do, and a defense uh, of our religion and uh, showing how important 
uh, Catholicism is to the world, the understanding that the, our whole Western world and our, our all of our, our, our first principles and culture and so forth has really been built by the Catholic Church. There was such a thing as Christendom. It did work. Uh, Rome fell and Christendom took its place and it built the modern world and the universities and all of those things. And we'll talk about that. But we're also talking about the demise of that Christendom and the rise of uh, liberalism and how liberalism uh, morphed into a an extreme philosophy that seems to be radicalizing people, you know, as extreme individuals and putting and putting them in sort of a box in which unless they're liberal, they can't be anything else and that they have to move along liberal lines. And uh, we're talking about some of the things that, you know, that has been causing, talking about Alexander Dugan, the Russian philosopher who is rebelling against that. And uh, we're talking also uh, about the metaverse and uh, how the idea of escaping into virtual reality uh, is being caused by the the whole uh, movement of liberalism away from transcendence and away to a, a what is becoming a stultifying, autonomous, lonely, material world, and uh, how the escape into the uh, internet uh, virtual world really is simply more of it and it's not really a real escape and it's a movement away from the understanding that there is a real spiritual world and uh, to be human is to belong to it so we're going to talk about that and then we're also going to talk about integralism as i pointed out uh, the idea of integrating catholic philosophy and catholic uh, theology into our culture and our law there's a lot of pushback against that idea as if somehow or another it's uh, destroying the idea of separation of church and state. But we're going to talk about this whole idea of religious freedom. And I've said before uh, on this show, uh, there really is no such thing as uh, religious freedom, that the first principles are always religious, no matter what they are. And every country has to have its laws and its culture depend on first principles. Those principles are taken on faith, no matter what they are, whether, whether you're an atheist, you will still take first principles, the idea uh, that your law and your culture is based on. You will take those principles simply on faith, at face value. You can't really go beyond them, a first principle. It is a first principle. That's a starting point. And uh, that's where you start. Uh, to say something is good, for example, uh, is a human uh, idea. It's a religious idea. Uh, you could have this idea of having a 30-mile-an-hour traffic law. And ultimately, if you try to explain why you have that law, you make a pronunciation that uh, killing human beings or harming human beings in accidents is a bad thing. And the real world that you live in, the material world, uh, the world of nature doesn't really appoint things as good or bad. That's a human thing. And so that's the first principle that uh, it's a bad idea to, you know, say, allow people to be harmed by, uh, you know, fast, fast moving cars. Uh, so the whole, whole idea of good or bad is something that human beings take as a first principle. And you can't go beyond it. The Catholic Church, of course, would say that, you know, this is contrary to God's law and what we've been taught. Um, by the church. An atheist might give a different reason, but the point is you start at a first principle 
and uh, your laws are based on those, and those simply are taken <laughs> for granted, and there's no way to get you know any deeper beyond them. And we're going to talk more about that, and that uh, those first principles govern. And if a religion, you know, is contrary to those first principles of any given society, uh, then the the practice of that religion, the results of that religion will not be allowed. Uh, For example, in India, there was a practice where if a man died, uh, a, the wife or wives, if he had more than one and could in, in that case, uh, would be burned on his funeral pyre and uh, burned, burned, in effect, burned alive and then buried along with him so he would have wives and so forth in the next world. There was a name for that. I can't remember exactly what it is. But that's an example. Uh, our culture doesn't allow that. So if those, those people came to, into our culture and wanted to continue to practice that, our laws would not allow that. And so, therefore, they would not have perfect religious freedom. That's an extreme example, but there are many, many others that are less extreme than that. In other words, every culture has first principles that don't allow for any kind of behavior outside those principles, even if that behavior is deemed religious. So there really is no such thing as uh, religious freedom, and uh, it's it's a a myth, and when uh, the— the, the idea of the American myth of religious freedom, it does, the word myth doesn't just mean that it's somehow or another not true. It means that because of our Constitution trying to guarantee religious freedom, there has been this idea, this whole myth made up around this, that somehow this idea is possible and it works. And there's an article here in First Things, Religious Liberty and the American Founding, Natural Rights and the Original Meaning of the First Amendment uh, Religious Clauses, that goes on and tries to explain this book, uh, Religious Freedom. And it gets into all kinds of disagreements with other people who have comments on religious freedom uh, as well. And uh, it talks about the fact that uh, there are differences between Thomas Jefferson and James Madison, who both uh, were strong, who put into the Constitution the idea that there should be religious freedom, that uh, the government should make no law, you know, either uh, uh, supporting or attacking religion. And both of these people had a different idea of what that was and disagreed with each other on it and never came to a total agreement on it. The U.S. Supreme Court, uh, this whole article talks about in the book, uh, the author talks about the U.S. Supreme Court's incoherent and internally inconsistent corpus of cases on free exercise, on the Establishment Clause, and on religious speech and associations, and criticizes what the Supreme Court has done over the years concerning religious freedom, freedom, saying that the whole thing is incoherent. And then you have the the differences, uh, nevertheless, uh, among the founders. Uh, Jefferson focused mostly on general freedom, and uh, rather than a specific freedom of religion, he looked at it more or less as a, an intellectual idea. Madison didn't. Madison actually came out and said that we have a duty to worship the Creator. 
uh, Madison here sort of sounds like a theologian, and uh, he, he seems to be talking for a whole country. Does everybody agree with that, that we have a duty to worship the Creator? Catholic Catholics certainly would, but some people wouldn't. Atheists certainly would not, and they would disagree with that idea. And then how, though, should such limits and how should uh, the freedom of religion clause in the Constitution be understood? And here disagreements arise. Uh, the author of this, uh, this review says, I and others, such as Justice Alito and O'Connor, uh, among them, uh, have a more expansive view of the free exercise right than some of the people uh, quoted in the article. Uh, and then the author himself disagrees with Alito and O'Connor, and the author disagrees with this reviewer on that point. And then uh, it goes on here and says, uh, the author of this article says, I do not think it is true to the sources to truncate the liberty of religion, uh, religious exercise rather, by including only acts of worship narrowly understood, and uh, others uh, that the person quotes differ from that, and they think that these the, these the religious freedoms should be more restricted uh, than the author is making in this uh, review. And it goes on with all the differences and disagreement. And the person might ask, "My God, you know, my my gosh, rather, you know, why?" Cannot all these people, including the Supreme Court, agree on something here? Why is there so much disagreement? My uh, contention is, is there so much disagreement because there really is no such thing as li religious liberty. Every culture has to decide what its principles are, what its laws will be based on. And those laws have to prevail. They have to be <laughs> regnant. Uh, they have to be the supreme laws or you don't have any law at all. And if somebody comes in with a religious practice that also disobeys one of those laws or breaks one of those laws, that can't be allowed or the law itself becomes useless. So every culture has to decide what its religious principles are, and it can incorporate very broadly a lot of things, but there are certain things that it can't. And so there's no such thing as true religious freedom because it would destroy the very law and culture of a society. It's simply not possible. Even if you had a one-world society, that society would have to decide what its laws are. And if its laws forbid certain religious practices, then that so be it. The law has to prevail. So there really is no such thing as religious freedom. And uh, that is, uh, again, one of the things that we're going to talk about more in depth as we go along. So these are some of the things that we'll be ta talking about in the future. Uh, and uh, at any rate, there are a few more that I can get to, some specific things. In the meantime here, I'm going to turn this over again to my wife. And uh, she has some things to say on uh, the catechism of the church. And so I'll let her have the rest of the time to talk about that. And if we have a little bit of time, I'll touch on some of the personal, some of the, I shouldn't say personal, some of the specific things, uh, ideas that we'll be talking about that relate to these broader topics that I've just covered. Okay. I want to bring up the topic of no, we're going to have the Bible study, which will be done here in our conference room. But other, uh, in, other than that, Father Mike Schmidt, the last two years, has done the 
Bible in a year, and he breaks down small segments of the Bible and reads them with, you know, on podcast with with you if you participate, and then kind of explains it, what it truly means, and well, how the church looks at it. Well, this year he's starting a new program, and it's called the Catechism of the Catholic Church in a Year. You know, the Catechism is kind of a thick book, and it would take a year to go through it. But he has broken it down so that, you know, taking 16 to 18 minutes, he goes over so many questions in the Bible, in the Catechism, and then and goes over them and kind of explains it better. So it only takes maybe 18 minutes at the longest to listen to it. And I highly recommend it. You just go online and pull up Father Mike Schmidt. Well, actually, the easiest way to do it is to go to Ascension, ascensionpress.com and put in the Catechism of the Year and bring it up. And it's not too late to start. We're just in the fairly early January. Even if you did start later, you can uh, either go back and pick up a lesson and do two each day or however you want to. It's not hard to do. It really isn't to pick up the last few that you've done. I got behind for a couple days and had to make those up. But it's a well worthwhile way to spend your time. I know Father uh, Eric at Epiphany had mentioned it at Mass last week, and I was happy to hear that, that he thought he's doing it and thought people should. I mean, who has ever sat down? Well, some people have and read the whole catechism. I've read parts, but not the whole thing. And I find that it's very satis. I'm getting a lot of satisfaction out of it, and I recommend it. Give it a try if you can. You can do it at whatever time you want. Yeah, those are some of the things that uh, really will be interesting as well. And those are the things I was talking about uh, when I said, you know, we'll be doing something old and something new. And we'll be doing a lot of specifically Catholic things. And I think the Bible study from a Catholic point of view and the uh, and maybe you know contrasting it with the differences between Bible study from a different point of view. And then this, the catechism, sort of along the same lines, understanding it, it are extremely good examples of what we'll be talking about that are specifically Catholic and will be very, very interesting to a lot of the listeners out there. And uh, there will be other topics uh, related to that as well. Don't you think, Lynn? Oh, I do. I highly recommend it. Um, you know, it starts out by explaining how uh, dogma and tradition all go together and scripture and why it's set up that way and what it does to contribute to the growth of your faith. Exactly. And we'll talk more, you know, about Catholic dogma and specific dogmas and how they came into existence and what they are and why, especially always the why, why they are. And when we talk about them in that respect, we'll be showing, in effect, a defense of Catholic teaching and Catholic dogma as we go along. And uh, there's so much in the catechism 
uh, a person could just read from the catechism every day and learn so much about the church, and and, and we'll try to work that in. And uh, we'll do some fun topics as well, uh, you know, some of the rules of the Catholic Church and try to trip each other up on whether we know them or not. And that's a lot of fun thing to do, too. So it's going to be a great year, I think, coming up. And uh, the, the whole thing, both the specifics and then some of the worldly things I've been talking about, all can be related to Catholicism and uh, our whole history uh, relates to these topics and has something to say and something to say very helpfully on these topics for individuals and also for our, our whole society. And so that's, you know, what we're going to be getting at. And uh, so there's going to be something for everyone. And I think a lot of them will be very, very interesting. Uh, and uh, th- this gives you an idea of some of the things we're going to try to do for the coming year. And I hope it's been interesting and uh, helpful. Is there anything further that you want to say, Lynn, before we close? No, that's about it. Okay. Do look up Ascension Press. You don't have to buy a new catechism if you've got one. Exactly. So we're going to go ahead and close, and we'll say our prayer. St. Michael, the Archangel, Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, thrust into hell Satan and all evil spirits who wander through the world for the ruin of souls. Amen. And the evil spirit is sure active. Do pray. You've been listening to Being Catholic with Bob Johnson on Catholic Spirit Radio. If you'd like to contact Bob, email bob at catholicspiritradio.com. Again, that's bob at catholicspiritradio.com. Catholic Spirit Radio relies on your support to bring programming like this and EWTN 24 hours a day. Please help keep Catholic Spirit Radio on the air with your generous support. Donate online at catholicspiritradio.com. Or send a donation to Catholic Spirit Radio, 108 Boykins Place, Normal, Illinois, 61761. That's Catholic Spirit Radio, 108 Boykins Place, Normal, Illinois, 61761. Catholic Spirit Radio is a 501c3, and all donations are tax-deductible. Thank you for your support of Catholic Spirit Radio 